wish you would praise him. He's turning it around. He's working your trouble for your good. He's working your dilemma to bless you. He's working your struggle to... Come on, somebody give him a praise. That's why I ain't got no bad news for you today, baby. I don't care what's going on in my life. Hallelujah, I will rejoice and be glad in it today. Come on, is that how you feel this evening? I'm still alive. I got breath in my body. My mind is still with me. And I'm in the house of the Lord tonight. And devil, if you kill me before the day's over, I'm on my way to heaven. I wish somebody would look at the devil uh, fearless tonight. Uh, you mess with me, devil. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, and when you kill me, uh, God will raise three more people uh, more radical than me. Oh, yeah. My, 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 my. My God, it feels like a Sunday night in here. God is in control. I wish I had some Sunday night church in the building. I said God is in. You better serve notice on your enemy tonight. You better serve notice on your circumstance tonight. God. Clap your hands one more time and give them a praise in this house. Woo! Turn around and tell three people, God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. Tell them God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. Whatever you're dealing with, God's got it. Whatever you're looking at, God's got it. Don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. Fear not. Come on, somebody, fear not. Only believe. That's what Jesus told Jairus. Don't be afraid. Just trust God. Hallelujah. You can be seated for just a few moments. My God, there's a lot of Holy Ghost in here for a Tuesday night. I feel like somebody drugged some of Sunday's anointing all the way into Tuesday tonight. Amen. So Wonderful to see all of you in the house of the Lord tonight. I want to take just a moment and also uh, recognize all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord with us. Would you help me put your hands together one more time? Come on, we can do just a little bit better than that. Help me really make some noise and let all of our guests know what a privilege and an honor it is to have you in the house of the Lord with us. To all those who are streaming online from around the world. Welcome to Tuesday night at The Rock tonight. Amen. And uh, we are here with great expectation concerning what God is doing in this house. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody shout Friends and Family Day. 
This upcoming Sunday is fifth Sunday, Friends and Family Day. Amen. And it is going to be awesome. It's going to be exciting. I've got an awesome surprise for you. You don't want to miss being here. Grab your neighbors. Grab your friends. Grab your enemies. Pull up at their house. Tell them it's time to make up. I'm sorry. Come to church with me. Oh, it got quiet all of a sudden in here. <laughs> oh, Lord, I must have turned in your Bibles. How many of you know the, that God wants you to be a shining light even to those? Bible says when a man's ways are right before God, even his enemies will bless him. But you grab everybody you can and get them to the house. I believe God will fill every person we bring to this house full of the Holy Ghost on Sunday. Anybody else believe that tonight? I believe the waters of baptism will be stirred on Sunday. And uh, it's going to be awesome, of course. After the service, we are going to be feeding everybody that shows up to the campus on Sunday. And... Uh, how many of you understand that our fifth Sunday is not an opportunity to slack off and relax on Sunday afternoon? Come on, I need an, I need an amen in the building. Fifth Sunday is not about taking a break on Sunday night. Fifth Sunday is about creating an additional opportunity to love on people. Amen, somebody? The Bible says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that you have love one to another. And uh, we want to take advantage of that opportunity. So when we dismiss on Sunday morning, don't run to your car and go jump in your pajamas or take off. Do something. No, 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 no. We, we're still having church even when we dismiss out of the sanctuary. I said, we're still winning souls even when we dismiss from the service on Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. We're just moving church to the dinner table. Amen. How many of you know some powerful things happen at, at, at tables and meals? I mean, look how powerful this thing is. I mean, my God. The Last Supper is a perfect example of the power of what happens when we break bread and fellowship one with another. That's just as apostolic as Acts 2.38. Amen. So Friends and Family Day is going to be incredible. We're excited about that. And uh, it is a tremendous privilege tonight to have with us in service all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming, Elder and Sister Conley. Would you help me give them a great great big rock church welcome tonight come on let them let them feel the love amen we are so delighted that they drove all the way from Cheyenne Wyoming just to be in church on Tuesday night with us I'm just kidding <laughs> they were actually already here in Florida but they were a couple of hours away and drove all the way down just to be in church with us tonight. And uh, I have had the privilege of being acquainted with this incredible 
man of God in his life for quite some time. And uh, they went to Cheyenne, Wyoming many, many years ago and founded a church there. Uh, it was just them, I believe, and probably a Bible study at somebody's house. 1988, is that right? 33 years ago. They went to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and God used them to break the stronghold of the enemy in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And they put stakes in the ground, and God used them to start a revival apostolic church. And uh, about 21 years ago, uh, they turned the pastorate of that church over to another great man of God, Brother Steve Keith, and his precious family who are still pastoring and uh, Brother Sister Conley are there as uh, the elders, the bishop of the house and uh, when you're the bishop of the house sometimes you just decide it's a little too cold and you want to get away for a few days and so they are uh, actually they're here in Florida I think uh, helping another church for a little while and decided to drive down and be in service with us tonight I have had the distinct privilege of preaching at their church, preaching uh, their conference. And uh, what an incredible thing that God is doing in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And we are just delighted that they're here. I asked him just to come and greet the congregation tonight. Would you put your hands together one more time and honor this great man of God and his wife as he comes to greet the congregation? I'm in this church. This glorious church, I didn't join. I was born. I had a new birth. Some glorious day, I'm going to sail away. Not by my works, but by his grace, I'm in this church. Woo! Amen. I love what I feel in this house. Amen. I feel like I know most of y'all because I've watched you on TV, and uh, not TV, on uh, that other deal. Hallelujah. Amen. But my goodness, are you all so blessed? What a teacher, preacher. My goodness. Amen. We heard him way back in uh, Arkansas years ago, and then. Uh, come to our church and priest, and then during COVID and all this stuff, my goodness, uh, we, we kind of got on that, that little old thing on the phone and started watching the services and stuff when, when we had COVID. Anybody else have COVID? Good. Hallelujah. Well, let me tell you what happened to me in COVID. I have been on oxygen for seven years, 24-7. And when I come out of COVID, I ain't don't need it no more. God heal my lung. That you that kills you, but it heal me. Woo! Hallelujah. You're getting ready to hear one of the greatest Bible teachers I've ever heard. Amen. If you're here first time, we're not here first time, but we've been... But I'm telling you what, we love what we feel. We love this man of God and his wife, the, the, the drive that he has and, and, and what God has accomplished through him. Amen. In this eight years uh, that he's been here, seven, eight years, uh, and you're here because he came. 
because God sent him. God put a burden in his heart. Woo! And this is where you can be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. We are so excited, so happy to be here, and, and uh, we love this man of God and his family. God bless you. One more time, put your hands together and give God a praise for this awesome man of God and his wife tonight. Amen. Stand with me, if you would, all across this house as we go to the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, we, of course, take every opportunity that we can on Tuesday nights to uh, maybe dial back the speed a touch and use it as an opportunity to teach the word of the Lord, amen. And uh, one of the qualifications of a minister or a bishop, the Bible says that he must be apt to teach. And uh, so if you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, I tried to teach a lesson about tithing and uh, about three quarters of the way through it, y'all tried to just shout me down. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't want to hear any more preaching about tithing. So he said, let's shout. I'm joking. I'm joking. The Holy Ghost moved in a great way. And uh, nonetheless, uh, I was unable to finish teaching some of the concepts that I felt like were important to us. And so I want to finish teaching the lesson tonight. Amen? Now. There is a distinct benefit to me uh, taking the time tonight to finish this lesson. And that is the fact that I probably got through three-fourths of the lesson on that Tuesday night. Which means, if you're quick at math, that I don't have much of the lesson left to teach. Y'all are being nice and just being quiet. But I see the smile as revelation comes to your mind. You get a smile. What I'm trying to tell you is I do not anticipate being before you long tonight. And uh, I, I do want to preach just a couple of things to, uh, to finish uh, what I felt like the Lord had on my heart to teach. And then I'm going to give you the gift of time tonight. And uh, you can run to, to, to McDonald's and get a McRib. Come on, somebody. y'all shaking your head us po folks that's about all we we can afford some McRib y'all got that famous Dave's money <laughs> some of us got that McRib account going on hallelujah how you doing I don't care where you go eat go to McDonald's Wendy's Burger King Mama Nims go eat your keto snacks I don't care how many of y'all still on that keto diet? All that. How many of y'all still on whatever diet you started on the first? One, two, three, four, five. Some of y'all just hung your head low. How many of y'all done backslid already on your diet since the first of the <laughs> Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's get to the word of the Lord. Book of Malachi chapter number three is where I want to read as a
beginning point for our lesson tonight. You can be seated. I know we typically stand in honor of the reading of the word, but we're going to read a whole lot of scripture tonight. And so you can be seated. Malachi chapter 3 verse number 6 says, For I am the Lord and I change not. Tell your neighbor, God never changes. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. He likens the disobedience of ordinances to the act of walking away from him. Return unto me, and I'll return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? It's always got to be that one kid, isn't there? Got to ask them kind of questions. So he jumps in verse number 8 and says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Somebody ought to shout over that verse right there. If you're a tither, you ought to shout over that verse right there. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, and neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Let me stop there really quick. I know we're still reading the text. But he said, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord. How many of you know what happens when a fruit comes off of the branch or the vine prematurely? It's wasted. It never reaches maturation, and it is wasted because it was unable to stay in place until its season is committed. And if you're not careful, the enemy will use your impatience with the seasons of God to cause you to cast your fruit before its maturity. But when you become faithful in your tithing to God, God begins to bring blessing to all the fruitfulness of your life. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land saith the Lord of hosts. Somebody said amen. The first place I want to start tonight is the revelation and understanding, and I want to do a little bit of recap uh, as a segue into finishing the lesson, but I want to start here tonight, and that is with the revelation that everything we have belongs to God. 
Come on, am, am I in the right church tonight? There is nothing that we have or possess that truly belongs to us. As a matter of fact, if you get all the way down to the very nitty-gritty of life, uh, you have breath in your body and are alive at this very moment uh, simply by the hand and the grace of God. And if God was to close his hand today and you quit breathing and took your last breath, everything that you thought belonged to you uh, would no longer be uh, in your possession. God made everything, all things exist by the word of his power. And when we get the revelation that none of this is ours, he is the creator. It belongs to him. And what power hath the clay over the potter? Then we quit with the mine mentality. Mine, 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 mine. <laughs> I, I, there's an interesting story that happened to, to my pastor, Bishop Elder. Many years ago, he was evangelizing. And... Uh, when he got done preaching one Sunday night, the pastor and pastor's wife invited them to their house, elder, for a dinner. And it just so happened that they had a daughter who uh, was young, and the daughter had some challenges. And she was a very sweet girl. And uh, she was sitting at the table with all of them. And when dinner was over, the, 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 the pastor of the church got up, and he said, I'll be right back. And the pastor's wife came out of the kitchen with a, a pan full of homemade cookies. And she said, I made a pan of homemade cookies. You're going to love these. And she sat them on the table where Bishop Elder was and, and, and their young daughter. And the mom wheeled around and walked back into the kitchen. And it was just Bishop Elder and the young girl. And he looked at her and smiled. And she looked at him and smiled. And all of a sudden she went... Mine, 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 mine. All over the cookies. And the pastor's wife walks back out of the kitchen and said, go ahead. Come on, you're going to love those cookies. I don't remember what excuse he came up with, but he invented something very quickly on the spot to make an excuse for not eating any of the cookies. Well, the next night they had church, and they went back over the house to eat. And when they got done with dinner, the pastor's wife said, you didn't get a chance to eat those cookies last night, so I gave them to somebody else. But guess what? I made a fresh batch tonight. You're going to love these cookies, I'm telling you. Same scenario, it's just him and her. She comes out of the kitchen. She sets the cookies down walks back into the kitchen. Bishop Elder gets a grin on his face licks his hand and says, mine, 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 mine. And the little girl looks at him and goes, yours, 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 yours. 
even when he thought the cookies would be his, they still weren't his. How many of you, though, that's what we do with God sometimes? We walk around with our cars and our house and our bank account and our, our little paycheck we get every week, uh, and we run around the stores and the restaurant, mine, 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 mine. And really, we need to get a revelation. Yours, 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 uh, yours, God, it all belongs uh, to you. It doesn't belong to me. The clay hath no power over the potter. And when I get that revelation, then I begin to understand that tithing and offering is a matter of stewardship and trust. It is not me giving what belongs to me to anybody. Brother Judah, you can't give me something that already belongs to me. If I walked up, now I don't got it in my pocket, but if I walked up with a $20 bill, we got to ask First Lady for that kind of stuff, you know. That's beyond McDonald's money. And I handed you a $20, and I said, here's $20. I gave it to you. I just want $2 back. Don't walk around like you just did me some favor giving me something that belonged to you. That's often the attitude some of us take towards giving in the kingdom of God. We act as if we're doing some great big favor. The church couldn't live without me. They couldn't do some my, my, the, well, when you feel like you have that level of control over what's happening in the kingdom of God, you're missing the revelation. This isn't a test of God. This is a test of your stewardship. Can God trust you with what he gave you? Can God trust you with the resources that he puts in your hand? Can God use you? See, God could buy pass you and just give it to somebody else uh, that he knows uh, will do what they're supposed to do with it. But if God can get it through you, uh, God can get it to you. I wish somebody would shout over that right there. If God can trust you uh, that the flow won't stop in your hands, God will keep increasing uh, the amount of what he lets flow uh, through you. Oh, come on, somebody. Anybody remember the Abrahamic covenant? Uh, through you uh, shall all nations uh, of the earth uh, be blessed. Uh, God said, I want to bring a blessing, uh, but I want to do it through you. Tell your neighbor, through you. Tell your neighbor you're a conduit, not a collection cup. And so giving is not about me taking what belongs to me. It's about me stewarding the thing that God has put in my hands. And it begins with an attitude, and here's where I want to just kind of overlap last week's lesson to get into this week's. It begins by approaching tithe and offering as worship unto God. It's about the recognition that if God, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even be here today. I wish I had a real witness in the building. I know you think that your smarts kept you alive, but it was the grace of God that you're here today. I know you think it was all your hard work uh, that's paid for everything you got. Uh, but baby, you've only got the activity of your limbs uh, and the soundness of your mind uh, because of the God uh, that loves you.
And so my giving becomes a form of worship. The word worship comes from the word worth-ship. To establish a value upon something. That is what my giving becomes worship unto God. And so we read in the book of Deuteronomy last week, and this is where I want to pick up this week, where giving and tithing is rooted in worship. Deuteronomy chapter number 26, verses 1 through 11. Read for me. And it shall be when thou art come in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now, now let me just stop. I'm going to recap this verse where we ended last week. When you come into the land that you bought and worked hard and paid for, that you blood, sweat, and tears and overtime and everything paid for, no, 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 no. You first recognize that God gave it to you. And when you come into that land, what did he say? And possesses it. And dwellest therein, uh -huh. that thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth. Take first of all the fruit of the land. Take your neighbor first fruits. Uh huh. Which thou shalt bring of thy land, of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt put it in a basket. Now let me stop there, and I don't want to belabor the point, but he said you've got to bring it. Nobody's going to take it. It's got to be of your own accord. You have to bring it. Some of us, we don't protest the government taking taxes out of our check every week. But we'll protest bringing an offering and our tithing unto God. I can't get no help in this Holy Ghost church. I'll come back to that. Bring it and do what? And shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. Don't, don't, don't just pick your own place where you're going to take what God's given you. God said, I want you to take it to the place. There's a place that I've assigned to you. A place where I've planted you. A place that I've brought you. Read. And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days uh -huh. and say unto him, yeah. I profess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am come unto the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers uh -huh. for to give us. Uh -huh. And the priest shall take the basket of thine hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. He's going to take that, that first fruits that you bring and he's going to set it down on the altar. Read on. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, a Syrian ready to perish was my father. He said, I want you to open up your mouth and I want you to begin to testify. Here's my daddy's testimony. He backs up even a generation before him. Don't just testify about you. Back up and preach about what God did before you even got here. Read. A Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt uh -huh. and sojourned there with a few yeah. and became there a nation. Great, mighty, and populous. Yeah. And the Egyptians evil entreated us and inflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice. Woo! He said, my daddy uh, was part of a people uh, that were in bondage to Egypt. You understand Egypt's a type of the world. He was in bondage to the devil, uh, and he was had whips on his back, uh, the load and the weight of slavery upon him. Uh, but guess what? My daddy uh, cried unto the Lord, uh, and the Lord heard his cry. Read on. And looked on our affliction yeah. and our labor. Uh -huh. 
and our oppression. Yeah. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand Whoa. and with an outstretched arm. God brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. I just need about a hundred people in the building that have a testimony that God brought you out with a mighty hand. If he didn't do nothing for you, sit there and look cute tonight. But if he made a way and he brought you out with a mighty hand, you ought to open up your mouth and testify. Read. And with great terribleness, and with signs, and with wonders. Yeah. And he hath brought us into this place, yeah. and hath given us this land. God hath brought us into this place. Tell somebody God did it. And God hath given us this land. Tell your other neighbor, God did it. Read. Even a land that floweth with milk and honey. Oh, yeah. And, and now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land. Which and now, look. Pay attention. Take note. I'm not doing it in secret. My God. That's good. I want everybody to see because it's a testimony. My God. We don't give to be seen, but we're not ashamed to be seen giving. I'm not ashamed to walk in the house of the Lord with my tithing envelope waving in the air. Why? Because it's part of my testimony to the world. God brought me out and I have brought my first fruits of everything that God is doing in my life. Read. I have brought the first fruits of the land which thou, O Lord, has given me. Uh -huh. And thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God Woo. and worship before the Lord thy God. Uh -huh. And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given oh, unto yeah. thee and unto thine house, thou and the Levite and the stranger that is among you. Yeah. So our giving begins with a revelation of worship. If you miss that part, you miss everything else. Hear me tonight. If you miss that part, you miss everything else because it's not about what you give. As much as it is the act of giving. When I give my wife a gift, and I buy her a, a McRib combo. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, y'all. I treat her better than that. Y'all will revolt on me in about five minutes. Man, she is my queen. You hear me? Just a few weeks ago, she, for about the hundredth time, she, she told me how much she wanted chickens. So guess what, baby? We rolled up our sleeves. That's another story. But it isn't about the gift. It's about the idea that I am expressing my love to her. That I am showing her worth to me. Her worth-ship to me. And when you get the revelation of worship to God, it's not about that dollar amount that you're writing on a check or putting in the envelope. And it is important that we give God what belongs to him. But the greater thing is that you are coming to God, expressing your love to him. And that is the posture that we begin our giving with. Now, to get to the next point of the lesson, and I don't have time tonight to go through every reference in the scripture. You can go home, do a word study. 
But we read it in Deuteronomy tonight where he said, I brought my first fruits. There is an order that demonstrates to God that he is at a place of preeminence in our life over everything else. And that is why we bring our first fruits to him. Come on, somebody. God always required Israel to dedicate the first fruits of everything. Read for me Exodus chapter 22, verses 29 through 30. Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits. Woo, now pause. I'm just going to hit this here while I'm thinking about it. Because I'm 39 and holding, and sometimes I'll forget. What did he say? What was the first thing he said? Thou shalt not delay. delay. When you get your increase, don't delay giving your tithing to God. Don't put it in an envelope and say, I'll get to it sooner or later. You're defeating the purpose of first fruits. I want the Lord to be the partaker of the fruits first. Come on, somebody. I'm in the word of the Lord tonight. Thou shalt not delay to offer. Don't put your tithing in an envelope just in case. Well, y'all was shouting with me right after that last song, but I don't know what's happening now. Don't put your tithing in an envelope as if you are doing some sanctimonious thing. And then put it in the drawer just in case you run out of money paying your bills. Then you truly didn't give it to God to begin with. Right. <laughs> hey, yo, I'm going to give you $20, but don't, don't spend it yet. <laughs> oh, oh, matter of fact, I'll hold on to it. It's yours. But I'm going to keep it in my pocket just in case I run out of gas. Oh, Lord, I think I hit something right there. <laughs> You're setting yourself up to tempt your flesh. Don't delay. The purpose of first fruits, I told my wife years ago when I was a young man and I, and I was struggling through, okay, God, I'm going to be faithful in, in my giving. I, I, I said, honey, I don't want you to write one bill to nobody until my tithing is given. Why? Because I want God to know he's first. I still do it to this day. I want God to know he's first. Woo! My God, I appreciate it. You know what? We have some people, they'll come all the way to the church in the middle of the week sometimes and say, you know what, Pastor? It just didn't work out for me to give online, whatever, but I got stuff I got to do with my paycheck, and I'm not doing any of it until I give my tithing to God. That's how serious we ought to be about our giving to God. I'm not waiting till I get my tax return to see if I have enough money to pay my tithing for the year. Come on, somebody. That's not first fruits. Don't put God on the same level as T-Mobile. And ECLC and whatever the utility company's names are. God's not a utility. He's your provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He deserves better than your Home Depot credit card. 
He deserves better than your, than your Dillard's credit card that you shouldn't have anyway. Don't delay it. My God. Read the rest of the verse, Bishop. Put it back up there. Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits. Read on. And of thy liquors, the firstborn of thy son shalt thou give unto me. Likewise shalt thou do with thine oxen and with thy sheep. Seven days it shall be with this dam. On the eighth day thou shalt give it to me. The first fruits of everything, God said, bring it to me. Even when it came to humanity, God said, I'm going to have a tithing that is dedicated to me. I want you to read this. That's, that's what happened with the Levitical priesthood. They were to represent a tithing of humanity back to God. This was institutionalized as a replacement or uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? It was, it was put there as, as a replacement for the idea of the firstborn that were taken from Egypt. You remember the Passover when he passed over and the firstborn of all the households. that God was establishing his preeminence in the nation of Egypt. But instead of God requiring the firstborn from the nation, he said, I'm going to have a tribe, the Levitical priesthood, that will be accounted to me, sanctified unto me as the 10%. Read for me Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not seethe a kid in his mother's milk. Uh huh. Read for me Numbers chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel. I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel. Instead of all the firstborn that openeth the matrix among the children of Israel. Instead of all the firstborn that openeth up the matrix. Read. Therefore the Levites shall be mine. Because all the firstborn are mine. For on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hallowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel. Both man and beast, mine shall they be. I am the Lord. God is serious about the principle of first fruits. Read Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse number 4. The first fruit also of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil, and the first of the fleece of thy sheep shalt thou give him. So everything operated on the principle of first fruits. The tithes of the Israelites were a means of giving the first fruits to God. First fruits, tell your neighbor, first fruits are devoted things and they belong to God exclusively. They are set apart, they are sanctified specifically for God's use. You study the Old Testament tabernacle, you will find the concept of sanctification there concerning all of the tools that were set apart and sanctified for use in the tabernacle. If there was a cup that was sanctified for the use of the tabernacle, you could not go borrow that cup and take it home for your birthday party and then bring it back to the church. 
it belonged to God. It was sanctified specifically for that use. And when you begin to study first fruits, God said the first fruits belong to me. They're not for you to use for anything else. Ooh, it's quiet in here. Y'all are just taking good notes tonight. And so this principle of sanctification is important. And we find it throughout all of Scripture. How many of you remember that when God brings his people into the promised land, the very first city. Now remember, part of his promise is I'm going to give you a, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And there's going to be houses you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plant and all this stuff that I've got. I'm going to give it to you. Don't walk up in the promised land like you got this. And it belongs. I'm going to give it to you. But when I give it to you, I want you to give me the first fruits. So the very first city we're going to come to is Jericho. But Jericho is going to be mine. I don't want you to take any of the spoils. I don't want you to take nothing. Jericho is going to be sanctified unto me. Why? It represents the first fruits of the promise that I'm giving to you. But after entering Canaan, they were not to take the spoils from the city. But then we read about Achan who stole some of the consecrated things. And when he did that, they became a curse unto him. Now before we read the scripture, you have to understand the difference in terminology between something that is cursed and the word accursed. They are very similar. However, the word accursed means that the cursed thing has been set apart solely for God's purpose. When a thing is accursed, it denotes sanctification unto God, even if the thing is being destroyed. And so Achan decides that, you know what? I know God said all of this is his, but... Uh, Man, I could really use a new coat right now. And so I'm just going to take this coat and maybe I'll get another coat later to put back. And man, I know God said, see the problem with this is they were so short-sighted that they couldn't see the entire land of promise that God had for them. And when we don't get a revelation of first fruit, we act in unbelief. Because we have this fear that God took care of me this time, but what about next week? And what about next month? Maybe there won't be enough, and maybe there won't be any. You, you, you are telling God that he's not able to take care of you. Just give God what belongs him because guess what? If God brought this, he's got a whole lot more uh, where that came from. And if you'll just give God what belongs to him and then get real anointed uh, and start giving an offering uh, that represents your devotion and not your duty, uh, you're not even going to believe this, uh, that Jericho uh, isn't nothing compared uh, to all of the rest of the cities uh, and the land and the promises uh, and the blessings uh, that God wants to bring to you. Let me stop here because so many times we preach these concepts and it goes over our head and we don't make practical application. So let, let, me, let me bring it down where you live. That 10% tithing is not enough to solve all of your financial troubles, is it? Come on, somebody. 
Let me back up a little bit further. Some of the financial troubles you have have nothing to do with you not being able to afford to give your tithe. It's you being irresponsible financially. You can't say, I, I can't afford to give my tithe. And you got a Jordan shoe collection a mile long that keeps growing every week. <laughs> Is this all right, honey? Am I doing okay? All right, two thumbs up. I can't afford to give my tithe, but I bet you at that restaurant five times a week. It's not that you can't afford to give your tithe. It's that you're walking in unbelief and you're walking with a consumer mentality. Mine, 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 mine. And God's trying to get you to change your mentality to understand the fullness of the earth is his. God, this ain't nothing to God. That tithing amount, that 10% is not going to make you rich or turn your whole life around. Instead of disobeying God and getting out of sync with his blessing, why don't you just obey the word of the Lord and trust God to do what he can do. Come on, he can bless you way better than you can take care of yourself with that consecrated first fruits. Come on, I'm preaching really good. God can do a whole lot better job at helping you with your money than you can taking what belongs to him and spending it on whatever. Come on, somebody. It belongs to God. God's, trust, God's trying to trust you. He's trying to see if you'll bring what belongs to him. And so this happens with Jericho, read for me Joshua chapter 6, verse 17 through 24. And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein. He said the whole city is going to be destroyed, but it's accursed. It belongs to me. This one's for me. I don't want you moving into it. I don't want you taking clothes. I don't want you taking horses. I don't want you taking gold, silver. Whatever's in Jerusalem, whatever's in Jericho belongs to me. It's accursed unto me. Read. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in the house. Mm -hmm. Because she hid the messengers that we sent. Mm -hmm. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Keep yourself from the thing that belongs to God. Read. Lest ye make yourselves accursed. When you take of the accursed thing. When you take of the accursed thing, you bring the curse on yourself. Read. And make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and yeah. iron and consecrated are consecrated unto the Lord. All of the goods of the first fruits are consecrated. There's the word consecrated unto the Lord. Read. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Uh-huh. So the people shouted with the priests when the priests blew the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout. Let me stop right here. <laughs> there was a lot of people who shouted when the preacher preached, but they didn't show up when it was time to not touch the thing that was consecrated to God. When you get done shouting, you got to live the life that you're shouting about. When you get done shouting about God being your Jehovah Jireh, you got to walk in the thing that you shouted about. Come on, somebody. 
When you get done shouting, Lord, you're mighty. Lord, you're mighty. You got to start walking like he's mighty. Read. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Uh-huh. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, yeah. both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass, the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, mm -hmm. go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, yeah. as ye swear unto her. Uh -huh. And the young men that were spies went in and brought Rahab and her father and her mother mm -hmm. and her brethren yeah. and all that she had. Mm -hmm. And they brought out of all of her kindred and yeah. left them. One more verse. Go ahead. Without the camp of Israel. Yeah. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron they put into the treasury of the Lord, of the house of the Lord. They were doing exactly what God told them to do. Now read chapter 7, verse number 11. Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen, and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. This was God referring to the actions of Achan concerning Jericho. And so, once we get the revelation of worship, then we have to get the revelation of first fruits. Before I do anything with my increase, I honor God with my tithes and my offering. Come on, somebody. It, it's not open for biblical debate. It, it's black and white in the word of the Lord. And if you want to start making up your own way that you're going to do things, because some people get this self-righteous, like, well, if I give, that's all that matters, not how I give or what I give. As long as I give. Well, I appreciate your sentiments, but why don't you have a conversation with Cain who decided that he was going to give to God the way he wanted to give to God. Why don't you go have a conversation with Cain when God rejected his sacrifice and then told Cain, why are you so upset? If you would just do it the way I told you to do it, I would accept your sacrifice the same way that I accepted your brother Abel's sacrifice. It's first fruits. That's how we honor God. Come on, somebody. Now, that's the last point of my lesson. But there are a few things that I want to talk about, practical things that have uh, either been asked in the past frequently or even recently uh, since the last time I've taught. I've had a few questions. People call me or text me and uh, they're, they're trying to learn and make sure they're, they're doing things God's way and, and uh, they want to make sure. And so I thought I would just cover a few of those things uh, this evening. So one of the things is, what do I tithe on? Well, scripturally, we tithe on everything that is an increase. Put Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse number 22 up there for me. It says, thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth. You can almost barely read that. Year by year. Somebody shout increase. I'm going to break this down real simple. 
if you have zero and somebody gives you $100, you just got an increase. We covered it in our last lesson. The etymology of tithing just literally means the tenth. If you want to figure out what your tithing is, it's 10% of $100 is $10 is sanctified. That belongs to God. And then before I do anything else, I figure out what my offering is going to be to God. And that's another lesson that we'll teach another day. And I set aside my offering. A tenth of all the increase. Now, one time, and I'm just going to throw some random scenarios at it. One time, somebody wrecked their car. And it created $1,000. I don't remember if that was the number, but for the sake of this conversation. Created $1,000 in damage to their car. And they got a check from the insurance company for $1,000 to fix the car. And they said, Pastor, do I give tithing on that? No. That's not an increase. All that is is cost of repair to bring your vehicle back to where it was. That is not an increase. That is not something that the Lord would expect you to give tithing on. Now, I have seen people that took that money and said, you know what? I feel like giving an offering. That's between you and God. But there's no biblical expectation for you to give your tithing. Now, you get an insurance settlement that covers all of your, those hard expenses, and you get an increase of whatever to compensate your living. Well, that's the same as if you were getting a paycheck from work to cover labor expenses. That's an increase. And you ought to give a tithe unto the Lord from your increase. Amen, somebody. I've had people give me a cash gift before for Christmas. Here's $5. Just kidding. It's usually more than that. Here's $50. The first thing I do is I take $5 from my tithing and I take, for me, I give 10% offering. At least. Plus more when God asks me to give more. And I put it and I give it to the Lord. Why? Because it's an increase. It's an increase from what I had. A recent uh, example that came up was, Bishop, what do I do with that stimulant check? <laughs> well, first of all, it's stimulus check. <laughs> There's a whole other lesson about stimulants, okay. <laughs> That's stimulant money. That's an increase. It's free money. Well, <laughs> we, we paid for it in advance with our taxes. Come on, somebody. But it's money that's given to you as an increase. On top of that, it's not even taxable. Oh, you ought to shout over that, somebody. So, yes, when I get a stimulus check, stimulant check then I'm going to stimulate the kingdom of God with it come on somebody and when I stimulate the kingdom of God, God's going to stimulate my bank account somebody asked what about my tax returns and what about gross and net well here's how simple it is you tithe on your gross income because your gross income is what you earn. When you negotiate for wages and they say, we're going to pay you $15 an hour, 
You don't negotiate and think about, well, what's the tax deduction going to be? And I'm working for $12.25 an hour. No, you work for $15 an hour. That's your gross. When you fill out an application for that car, you put down $15 an hour. When you fill out that application for the house, you put $20 an hour. And all of a sudden, you got amnesia when it came to the top. Now, how much do I make again? Is it net? Is it gross? Is it what? Come on, somebody. You ain't fooling nobody. You know how much you make. <laughs> Lord, help them, Jesus. See, the taxes that are withheld, that's the government not even asking you. They're taking your money. Give it to us so we can draw interest on it all year long instead of you. That's a whole nother discussion. In one place, Jesus said, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and unto God what belongs to God. So if you are tithing on the gross income that you make, when tax season comes, if you get a tax refund, all the tax refund is is money that the government decided you overpaid the taxes that you were supposed to pay. And they refund the difference back to you. Well, when you get that money back, you have already tithed on that money when you tithed on the gross amount of money that you made. So your tax return is not required to tithe a second time. You've already given tithe on your tax return. Again, Maybe God speaks to you and says you need to give an offering out of that tax return. I got more back than I thought I would. I don't know, whatever it is. But if you tithe on your first fruits of all your increase, which is your gross, then you don't have to worry about your tax refund. Because what if you don't get any of it back or part of it back? Then you have to try to figure out what you were supposed to give at tithe that you didn't give and turns into a mess. And then it's not even your first fruits at that point. Amen, somebody? What else? I dare not take questions right now because people don't know how to ask good questions. Church, if you have a question, you could just call me or text me. Here's another one we get sometimes. Well, I just, I just take my cash or whatever and I just put it in the plate. I don't put it in an envelope. Well, there's two things here. Number one, is you ought to keep your tithe and offering separated. Why? Because you are indicating a tenth unto the Lord. You don't get a tenth just by happenstance, guessing at an amount. There's an exact amount you give. Secondly, it brings a level of accountability to your giving. Ah, see, therein lies the real challenge. Is sometimes we don't want to be accountable. How many of you know that Jesus held people accountable? See, y'all couldn't handle going to Jesus' church. You know, how, Brother Conley, you know how Jesus did it? Where I need an offering. Uh, 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 come here, Brother Matthew. You're going to be a, 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 an usher real quick, uh, a makeshift usher. Grab that Kleenex box on your way. Hurry, run, 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 run. Turn it upside down like an offering thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here you go, right here. Yeah. Here's, here's how Jesus did it. Come here, Sister Camila. You're coming, and they're playing, uh, the best is yet to come. You got your tithing envelope in your hand, and you're, and you're bringing your, your gift to the, you, and you know, you know what the Lord did? 
he would go like this. Y'all don't believe me? Go read it in the word of the Lord. Bible said in one place a little woman came and she gave a mite in the offering. Jesus was watching and he was counting and he took note. And he told the people, he said, she gave more than all of you because this was all that she had. She gave the entire thing. He was keeping track of what, come on somebody, Jesus is watching what you're giving. Don't worry about the... Come on, somebody. You shouldn't have a problem with accountability in your giving. Put your tithing in an envelope with your name on it. Write down the amount that you're giving and walk into this church with your head held high and do what Deuteronomy 28 said and march to that offering plate and say, thank you, Jesus for everything you're doing in my life. God, this is a testimony uh, of where you're taking me uh, and what you're doing for me. God, ah, uh, uh, come on, somebody. Uh, put your offering in an envelope and mark it. If you give online, put your name on it. <laughs> First lady's laughing. The office staff is laughing because sometimes... You know, somebody give on PayPal. This, this is from KX41 Hot Mama 37. We don't know who you are, baby. Tithing. Lord Jesus. I don't know who that is. Lord, would you bless Hot Mama for giving her tithing? <laughs> Whoever she is. Lord, I don't know if she's hot or not, Lord, but just bless her for... for Y'all having fun tonight? <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. My God, every time you get a chance to give, it ought to become a moment of remembrance again over and over. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because if I'm giving, it means that God's given me something. It means that I've got increase. It means that God's making a way. I got something. This is my worship. Whoa! I'm bringing my tithing to the Lord. Here's my first fruits, God. And if this was just the first fruits, I can't imagine what you've got stored up for me uh, because your word said uh, that you were going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing uh, that I cannot, uh, that I don't have room to receive. Lord, I got room for this. Uh, so if you got more where that came from, uh, I'm ready, Lord. Give me more than I can. You better shout, Hot Mama 37. You better give God the praise. Man, let's stand. I'm, I'm going to hurry to a close. <laughs> Music, come. Hallelujah. Listen, I, I want to speak to some of us in this building. I want you to hear me. Some of us that God has great plans for your life. God has things he wants to do in your life. 
And God wants to entrust you with great anointing. But there are some things God's not going to trust you with spiritual gifts when he can't trust you in the natural. You can't be a preaching thief. An evangelistic thug. Come on, somebody. And your faithfulness to God in tithing and offering is a, is a representation of your character, of your trust. <laughs> you want to see how much you trust somebody? It don't get no more intimate than their access to your finances. Come on, somebody. Just flip that around. If you want God to trust you, it doesn't get any more intimate than God watching your stewardship with the resources that God has given you. And if you can't be trusted in honoring God with what belongs to him in the natural, why would God place levels of anointing and trust in your life that have even farther reaching implications than your faithfulness in tithe and offering? Young ladies, one of the qualifications of a young man you're interested in ought to be is he faithful in his giving. Why? Because I'm not interested in hooking up with a curse. I'm not interested in hooking up with somebody who's greedy. I'm not interested in somebody who's going to lead me into a place of poverty and Oh, come on, somebody. I dare you to ask your pastor about his giving. I dare you to ask your pastor, is he faithful in his giving? All the men got real quiet. What's going on, men? If he'll rob God, I'll let you fill in the rest of the blank. Go ahead. Go ahead, First Lady. <laughs> Sister Mandy, if you ain't faithful in this tithe and offering, kick him to the curb. And if there ain't a curb, build one and kick him to it. Sorry. Sorry, Charlie. All right. Y'all was shouting. Let's see. Young man. One of the qualifications you ought to have on your list, is she faithful to God in her giving? Are the ladies still shouting? Where are the men at? Come on, don't you hook up with some girl who's going to spend all of God's tithing on a new dress and a purse and all that. Come on, going out to eat at all the restaurants and you got holes in your money bags because, come on, somebody. There's more to being unequally yoked than somebody who's obeyed the gospel or not. My God, 
<laughs> I'm going to finish right here. I don't have time to read all this, but go home and read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 through 2 says that we should give as God has prospered us. That's why the kingdom of God is set up on a percentage. And I don't have time to get into all the numerology uh, because when you study, when you think about numerology and what is the significance of 10%, why isn't it 9, why isn't it 11? Because 10 is the number of complete numbers. Think about your numeric system. It's just tens. If you can count to 10, you can count to a million. Because once you get to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you start over with 1. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Then you start over again with 1. 21, 22, 23, 20. It's just tens. And the 10, so 10 is a representation of the whole. Your 10% is telling God everything belongs to you. My complete 10 is a representation of my complete everything. And so it doesn't matter if, you, if you've got $200 and you tithe 20 or you've got $200,000 and you give your tithe. It's a percentage amount. And, and let me tell you this. I'm just going to drop this in here because next Tuesday I'm not going to preach on tithing. Unless the Holy Ghost tells me to go ahead and preach it again. But if you want God to bless you with more, be faithful in where you're at right now. If you can't be faithful in giving God tithing with $500 a week, why, why would God trust you with $2,000 a week? I heard a story one time about a young man who came to his pastor and said, Pastor, I, I, I'm struggling financially. I just can't seem to get ahead of the curve. And... I'm just always trying to come to find out the young man wasn't faithful in, in giving his tithe to the Lord. And so the pastor said, son, if you will establish God first in your finances, his word is true. If you believe Acts 2.38, you got to believe the rest of this thing. If you'll be faithful, God will bless you. And so the young man started being faithful, Brother Conley. And guess what? It wasn't very long before God started to bless him. And God started to give him wisdom to put his finances together. And it started to grow. And pretty soon he was making so much money that he started getting nervous writing out those larger checks. He's like, this is, this is a lot of money to give. And so he, he finally got to the place. He said, I, I don't know if I really can give that much. And so he came to his pastor and said, Pastor, you know, I was giving my 10%, but now I'm making so much, you know, all this uh, you know, do you think it'd be okay if I if I just could give lower the amount that I give in tithing? He said, no. He said, would you pray about it, Pastor? Would you pray if I, he said, no. He said, if you can't give God the tithing on the amount you make now, then what I will pray is that God takes your income back down to where you could be faithful in your tithing to God. Can I just encourage you? Be faithful to God in, in your tithing where you're at now. Because some of you, if God adjusted your income to what you tithe, you'd go broke tomorrow. If God changed your income to represent what you tithe, it would blow your mind. Lord have mercy, it took the wind right out of the room right there. Some of y'all got, some of y'all about to hit the altar just... 
I don't know about you, but I want to be, I want to be blessed by God. I want to do it God's way. Amen, somebody? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12 through 15 says to give according to what we have. We ought to take account of our increase. That word according is, is, is an accounting term and a musical term. It should be in proportion to how God has increased you. And finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. I don't have time to read it all tonight. Go home and read it. But there are essentially five things that God says concerning our giving. Number one, it says that we should give in the same manner that we want to receive. The second thing it says is that we ought to give as we purpose in our hearts. Giving is a heart issue, not a money issue. I'm going to say it again. Giving is a heart condition, not a money condition. Not a theology condition. It's a heart condition. The third thing it says is that we should not give grudgingly. Don't walk up to God and say, well, I, if I don't. If I don't give this, I'm going to get kicked out of the choir. If I don't give my tithe, they're going to ask me to quit teaching Sunday school. That's, that's, that's the wrong way to give. Don't give grudgingly. Then it says don't give out of necessity. The same thing. I'm not doing this because somebody's making me do this. And the finally it says that we should give cheerfully. Cheerfully. I wonder if there's some people in here that ought to start making it a practice. You ought to start shifting the culture that every time we get to the house of God, you know what? I may have already given my tithe on Sunday. I'm going to get me a good offering just because I want the opportunity to go forward again and wave an offering unto God and to bring it cheerfully unto the Lord. This is my testimony of how good God has been to me. Amen. Is there anybody here that God's been good to you tonight? Come on, has God been good to you tonight? Uh, then why don't you lift your hands all over this house one more time and give God a great praise in this house. Come on, give him the fruit of your lips. Come on, give him the fruit of your lips. Uh, it's not just monetary, uh, but why don't you open your mouth for the next few moments uh, and just begin to thank God uh, for his blessing. Uh, begin to thank God for keeping you. Uh, begin to thank God uh, for everything he's done for you. Come on, we're blessed. We're blessed.